One of the greatest marvels of storytelling, be it through spoken words, words written along a page, or through a strip of film, is the ability for brief periods of time to suspend the audience's sense of disbelief. Captivating stories release us from the constraints of our own reality and take us beyond our world into someone else's real or imaginary one. In an instant, you can find yourself standing next to an old lamppost in a strange land called Narnia, venturing off into the unknown regions, boldly going where no man has gone before, or resting peacefully among the green rolling hills of the Shire. The magical world of Harry Potter equally introduces us to many locations and places found both within the wizarding and muggle worlds. Some like Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, the Ministry of Magic, Gringotts Wizarding Bank, and Azkaban may immediately come to mind. But just how well do you know your way around the Potterverse? Today, the Slug Club gathers to discuss some of our favorite places found in both the books and in the movies, as well as some of the lesser-known details they may have lying between the lines. Greetings, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. I'm Justin, unofficial Hufflepuff head of house. Also joining the Slug Club, she likes her coffee just like she likes her men from Azkaban. Yeah, dark, with a little bit of alcohol in it. <laughs> that was a good one, though, right? <laughs> so dark that it might be bad for. Her. And of course, as always, we have my brother Rob joining us, who's never read the books. That's right. But who's hiding in the closet with creature? This Griffin, two thumbs, and he has. Th four thumbs because creatures in the closet. I thought my phone was malfunctioning for a second. <laughs> Who has four thumbs and creatures in the closet? And is next to creature. <laughs> How many thumbs do you have? <laughs> creature does not like this one. <laughs> Why do you have four thumbs? <laughs> like, is Creature like giving you thumbs? Like... <laughs> Creature's a sketchy dude. He's, he's probably done worse. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like I said earlier, there are so many different wonderful places that Rowling has been able to bring to life in her books on Harry Potter. The list is endless, right? I mean, really, we could probably do nothing on this podcast, but talk about the places that are mentioned and can be found within the wizarding world and still have enough material for years to come. There's just that much material to cover, which honestly did not bode well for our friend Liz, who, like any good Slytherin, tried to keep us on track and stick to an agenda. And we are already off that agenda. And that's why she is not joining us today. Sorry, Liz. It's just not possible. Oh, I'm not sorry anymore, Liz. So much for Slytherin. More like Slither out. <laughs> Liz gave us a Liz gave us a hard out. out. She gave us a hard out at nine o'clock. That is her witch bedtime. Man, it's not even nine o'clock. Lizzie has Liddy had to dip out for Betty by. Lizzie is on a strict schedule. For those of you who are listening, Liz has a schedule 
as an adult that she's put on herself the same way that a upper middle class white homeschool mother regiments her three-year-old's <laughs> life. <laughs> Lizzie and Abby and I once backpacked through Ireland and through the UK. And sometimes we joke about it because it felt like actually Abby and I were backpacking around Europe with Danny Tanner. <laughs> you ever seen that episode where they go to Disney and he's like, all right, guys, I have the itinerary right here. Let's see here. All right, 10 o'clock. We're doing this. 10.30. Going on to this ride. It's true. Meanwhile, everybody's gone. Sadly, the itinerary did not work out for her during the trip also. I remember we were getting settled into one of the hostels, bunking up, and this middle-aged guy who was a little too confident in how he looked walking around in his underwear was actually like right next to Liz, next to her bunk. I remember Liz being like, this wasn't on the agenda. <laughs> That's hostel life for you, though. <laughs> we get Remember into that? our next hostel, which apparently only pays the heat bill when it's below 40 degrees. And Liz is all over her bunk, shivering under a mountain of blankets. She's like, how could I not see this coming? <laughs> Man, bless Tom, though. If you ever go to Ireland... You got to check out Tom's Hostel. But go Tom's Hostel. That's right. And we do not say the name Tom's Hostel, meaning that, oh, like, yeah, it's Tom's Hostel, but it's called something else. It's actually called Tom's Hostel. And so. we are receiving no money for endorsing him. Just a You're great welcome, guy. Tom. And he walks up to you with the thickest wool sweater that you have ever seen. Hi, I'm Tom. And welcome yeah. to my hostel. You're welcome to wander around in the metal where all the sheep are. You know, but you're actually out, not that far off. But yeah, watch out for the big old billy goat. It has soulless eyes like Oscar Wilde. He was definitely wearing a traditional, like, thick woolen sweater and just puttering around, drinking tea. We were surrounded by fields. You're not are you off. sure that it wasn't Tom Bombadil? <laughs> was this guy's last name Bombadil? <laughs> you know, I cannot confirm that. Right. Did he have a long white beard, a big hat, and a pipe? He wasn't. Nah, he wasn't that. I don't think he had either of those three. Yeah, he was like a middle-aged dude. Not quite white beard territory yet. He was probably singing songs in the field. <laughs> Over fields and dales are calling. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> oh, real quick, everybody. Put on your shirts backwards. So Put on your coats backwards. <laughs> Put your coach on backwards so the leprechauns don't know if we're coming or going. <laughs> that's a deep cut from our childhood, Abby. I was going to say, I'm out of the loop here, but that's fine. You guys probably don't know. You don't know the straight-to-VHS released movie called Behind the Waterfall. I've never heard of it, but that it sounds like a treasure. It's one of those like late 80s, early 90s Christian family films. Oh, that, you know, never went to theaters, but just had its own little small audience that bought all of their movies. Well, that audience was our grandmother. No, that's how I had. I had a few of those in our home, too, from our grandmother as well. I think she bought it from like infomercials at like two o'clock in the morning or something. Abby, I... you don't understand. <laughs> our grandmother had three movies. <laughs> <laughs> there were three VHS movies and nothing Disney, nothing, nothing enjoyable. <laughs> there were three movies. There oh, was Behind the Waterfall. Oh, I differ. <laughs> and do you know the other two, Jay? Oh, it was a, uh, it was a uh, pitch perfect. No, it wasn't pitch perfect. It was Family Picture Perfect. 
Picture Perfect. Okay, there were four. There were four. <laughs> Picture Perfect, starring the guy who played Al in Home Improvement. What? That was that was decent. That one was okay. That's the kind of star power they had behind that film. But you're also forgetting Jay Rigoletto. Oh, Rigoletto. Rigoletto, starring the guy who raised pigs, and then also the Argon Quest. Which, if anybody comes across at like your local Goodwill or Salvation Army, please buy it for us because I am on the hunt. What is it called again? It's called the, the Argon, Argon Quest. Quest. In, I I'll keep an eye out because my aunt actually gave me a cassette boombox today that she swiped with my grandparents, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Gonna, oh yeah, I was like, "I'm gonna obviously be buying a bunch of cassettes from Salvation Army and Goodwill and just." have that blasting while i float my parents pool this summer so i the argon's quest i'll keep an eye out for it now the argon quest argon quest it is a canadian tv show which ran for about one season but then (laughs) before the end of the season they were like oh crap we're not getting renewed let's wrap up the story quick let's make it all into one movie Really? Wait, what? That's, <laughs> yes, how I, it, that's how it came about? <laughs> I have done research on this. Rob, I've been looking for this for years for your birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> this was Rob's favorite movie. It can be seen on YouTube. Um, if you look up Argon Quest, I believe the full feature film is somewhere on YouTube. But um, it is possibly one of the creepiest puppet movies you'll ever oh, watch in your life. Is it worse than like Fraggle Rock? Oh, way worse. <laughs> Dance your cares away. Down to Fraggle Rock. <laughs> but yeah, it, it apparently had like six or seven episodes on Canadian television. And it was being broadcast all throughout, you know, Ontario, uh, Nova Scotia. British uh, Columbia. British Columbia, yeah, all of those. Another states. province of Canada. <laughs> those are the only three that i remember (laughs) those are the only three i know because i'm american and that means that i don't need to know about the rest of the world i think being from michigan you're doing better than say someone from like alabama no offense to anyone from alabama but can you name a bunch of places in canada i I can name one place in canada fraggle rock (laughs) let the music play (laughs) worries for another day down in fraggle rock but yeah so when they made it the movie what they did was they took out all the different episodes and like put pieces from the episodes all into this one movie which obviously leaves many different loopholes and questions to be answered while you're watching the film i just want to know why your grandma had this as like one of her three vhs's that she had yeah you know she was loyal she was a loyal customer i guess (laughs) <laughs> Maybe she just went to one store on one occasion and just bought all four and said, hey, that's all I need for the rest of my all life. we need. <laughs> and she stuck with it. Like, did, was it just, is it just gone forever? She never owned a DVD player. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but as I said earlier, we are bringing you the different places that can be found, not in the Argon Quest, but in Harry Potter. And that's how you pivot. Yeah, I was like, that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> so what we've done today is each of us have brought to the table 
one of our favorite places that's mentioned throughout the books, either something that brings us enjoyment or something that intrigues us a little bit about the location that's found in J.K. Rowling's work, as far as the different things that either is mentioned in the books or may not necessarily be mentioned in the books, but has the background information that is not as well known as other places that are found in the Harry Potter universe. And so what we'll do is we will be offering up hints to the different places that we have chosen and seeing if either of us can guess what the place that the other person had picked. The person with the most points at the end wins the game. Oh, gosh, I feel like I'm at a huge disadvantage now. This is not going to bode well for Rob, who, of course, has not read the books. I haven't read the books, but also I joined this recording with my name being the Weasley Family Ghoul. (laughs) I feel like this is a huge spoiler. Well, that's your hint, everybody. (laughs) That's your hint. Why'd you pick the burrow? (laughs) I picked the The burrow. burrow. (laughs) It's the burrow, isn't it? I picked the burrow. All right, Weasley family ghoul, how about you tell us <laughs> tell us about the burrow? Well, I'd like to take everybody on a little journey to a little place that is tucked away in the English countryside, peaceful, tranquil. And in that location, in that verdant meadow, there are small magical creatures and large magical creatures that work together in their own ecosystem. And these creatures have learned to coexist together, and they have intriguing names that J.K. Rowling has devised. And they're called Gorgs, Doozers, and of course, everybody's favorite little fanatics, the Fraggles. Dance your cares away, worries for another day, let the music play. Down Down in Fraggle Rock, down in Fraggle Rock, down in Fraggle Rock. Classic. No, of course, of course, I picked the burrow, but join with me if you will. It's 1970, the early 1970s, and a young redheaded couple just got married and are looking to begin their new life together. And where do they choose to settle down? A small, small place out in the West Country of England by Devon, or as it's said in English, Devon. <laughs> and they settle down by this, by this. Old Tudor I house. Know, I don't even know where any of that is. I don't even know where <laughs> Canada stuff is. I don't know where Canada is. I don't know where I don't know where Nova Scotia is. So I definitely don't know Devin. <laughs> I thought that was a dude. It's like when Molly Weasley is like, "Your sons went to Surrey last night." And I'm like, I have no idea where that is. Molly. No idea. <laughs> no idea where Surrey is. <laughs> Surrey could have been around the corner. I'd be like, oh, they just went to 7-Eleven. <laughs> but Arthur and Molly Weasley, they settled in this Tudor house that had a stone pig pen next to it, and that's where they began their life. But that little Tudor house with the stone pig pen is where Arthur and Molly Weasley settled down to start their family. So wait, you're telling me that that wasn't like the Weasley family estate, like they went to this place in Devon and settled like that's like their home. It's not like Arthur's family's home or something. No, it's not a home that is inherited through the Weasley family. This is where 
Molly and Arthur Weasley settled down once they got married. And as they had a big Mormon family with nine (laughs) children. (laughs) I don't know what kind of name Weasley is, but I'm guessing it's Catholic. (laughs) They're ginger people with nine children. Got to be some sort of Catholic. It's like Philip Rivers. You think that there's got to be some sort of magical contraception and family planning? And the Weasleys were like, no, we don't do any of that here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So we've got the Weasley family home. They call it the Burrow. But as the Weasley family grew, they added levels to the house. So the house is like this big kind of... uh, not shambled, but but also like haphazardly put together. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at pictures of the Weasley family home, the borough, it's it's just wonky. There's five chimneys and different artist renderings uh, give kind of different ideas. Some of them that it's like towering over. It almost looks like there's an observatory on stilts. But the house has been clearly added onto over the years as their family grew. Which which leads me to one question. If they had this magic tent that was larger on the inside than it was on the outside, why couldn't they just do that charm <laughs> over the burrow? And that's just another example of J.K. Rowling making some stuff up doesn't halfway flow through the series. No consistency. No congruency. Plot hole, J.K. <laughs> Somebody tweet that at her. Why isn't the burrow enchanted to be larger on the inside, especially with nine children, two parents, and a ghoul? You know, another thing that made me think about as you were talking was, so the Weasleys are known for not being very well off financially, right? Right. Right. So, you know, you were introduced to their house, and it's kind of portrayed as this like shabby country styled home. Uh And when they built the home, you would think like, oh, well, it's Arthur Weasley. He's a wizard. It's Molly Weasley. She's a witch. There's a spell that they can just cast that multiplies items, that builds things. Um, And I wonder if that's just because Arthur didn't really know um, much about architecture. Maybe it's like, eh, you know, that'll do right there. Yeah. yeah, Well, if you're talking about the Gemino charm. The Gemino charm multiplies anything that a person touches, which would make it very dangerous in building a house with. Because anytime you touched anything, you like that'd be the kind of home that people who paint like uh, their walls with hundred dollar paint would use. They'd be like, "Don't touch the walls. The paint is delicate, and also I place the Gemino charm on it to make sure that the finish will remain pure." Oh, so like it's constantly on there like it's not just like something that's temporary and then you just remove the charm as far as i know no it is it is something that is constantly oh. placed upon an object right that's kind of i mean that's what uh was put which on, is good if you um, cast it on some galleons well yeah but i mean wasn't that the charm that was put on the horcrux and uh the here's the thing why are any how are any wizards not well off when you can literally duplicate money anything you want you can literally duplicate gold and inflate the economy so here's an interesting thing about that gemino or it's geminio is what it is 
It creates duplicates of an object. It's a curse. So I wonder if that's why not as many wizards or witches will use it because it's not necessarily a charm, but it's labeled yeah, as a sure. curse. Yeah. So it seems like it's a little bit more dark than anything else. Wait, it is. It is the Gemino curse. The Gemino, Gemino curse. Yeah, but Gem the incantation is Gemino. Oh, uh, okay. Comes from the Latin word Geminare, which means to double. Well, you also think of the constellation Gemini. I feel like we're getting way off base again. Uh, <laughs> down in Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it also refers to astrology, I believe, right? It says that it was invented by a pair of reclusive twin witches. Uh-huh. Is Gemini the twins? Gemini yeah. is the twin constellation, yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about constellations because I think astrology is for idiots. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I offended anybody with that, but I feel like somebody needed to hear it. Hey, there's some Trelawneys out in the world. Somebody needed to hear it named Abby. Hey, I'm not into <laughs> astrology. <laughs> Anytime I see somebody who's like, never trust a Leo, I'm like, eh. You see, this is this is a good thing that Liz isn't here because right now she'd be saying, hey, this is bad press. It would be. This is bad press. Any press is good press, Liz. That's right. Any press is good press. Just ask our just ask our Supreme Leader Donald Trump. <laughs> not my supreme leader I'm gonna say X, X, uh... you never stop being the supreme leader Abby it's like North Korea unless you know like your child kills you in an airport what oh, oh. oh, oh we're getting yeah. oh we getting too real is that what's happening all right let's get back to the fiction so For anybody who's interested more into that topic, you can just watch the interview. It, it explains it. No, all. no, I, 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 know <laughs> I it, it took a second. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually a thing. <laughs> so there are a lot of interesting things about the borough. The big thing that I wanted to touch on, the awesome thing about the borough that J.K. Rowling introduces it as is this complete foil to Harry's prior home that it's a complete foil to number four Privet Drive, where Privet Drive is all these houses that all look the same, you know, white picket fences, neat yards, clean gardens. And then you look at the borough, which is this home that is haphazardly put together and is almost like in shambles. And yet it is a place that's full of family joy. Things It was everything that... Harry didn't have and wanted. There was a family who loved each other. It was magical in every way. Mm -hmm. There's a little yard outside where there's a garage where um, Arthur Weasley keeps his Ford Anglia, which is a U.S. made car. <laughs> Do you know of any British companies that are making good cars? What, Tesla? Is that Isn't he, is Elon Musk British? I didn't think that was British, but maybe it I don't is. Know. I don't know. I gotta look up Elon Musk's nationality. Dogecoin just went up about ten cents just us talking about it. <laughs> yeah, but he'll bring it down by saying it's all hustle. So you know, either way. <laughs> oh, he's South African and Canadian. Wild. Okay, this is this is this is very confusing. He was born in South Africa. He was also wait wait what? Saskatchewan. <laughs> 
What? And we come full circle. <laughs> We've come full circle back to Canada. <laughs> now we got Google where Saskatchewan is. You've been to Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan? Huh? But if you Google Elon Musk nationality, it says American South African Canadian. I'm so confused. Triple dipping, just like his investments. That's right. Triple dipping. <laughs> Bitcoin. Doge. Also Ethereum. <laughs> But if we look at the uh, the garage that is outside of the borough, there's the Ford Anglia, the flying car that the Weasley twins uh, and Ron steal to bust Harry out of his uncle's house where they had put him in a room behind bars like a prison. And the boys came and rescued him all the way out from Surrey. That's so did they fact. drive, speaking of the car, did they drive the car from their house in Devon down to London for King's Cross? Or do you think they flew? They probably flew. Well, they flew all the way from the borough to London. From the to borough King's to, Cross. no, they, they they didn't fly to King's Cross. They flew out to uh, Hogwarts in the Chamber of Secrets. Right, but in order for them to leave King's Cross, because Dobby bewitches that, uh, the... He bewitches the platform the so platform, that it doesn't open, right? yeah. So he closes the gateway. The car would have to be in close proximity in it, order for Ron and Harry to steal it. I'm pretty sure what happened was the family used the car and Arthur drove it to King's Cross. So that way, you know, they could blend in with muggles. And when they couldn't get, you know, into, you know, platform nine and three quarters, they ran back to the car and they stole it. I mm -hmm. think. I think interesting, which is which is what you got to do when you're two young Gryffindors, you're 12 years old and you got to make moves. <laughs> the world is about to end if you don't go to Hogwarts on time and make it for the five hour commencement speech given by Dumbledore by a Richard Harris who spends two hours of his five hour speech getting up out of his chair. <laughs> I still say that Michael Gambon's the better Dumbledore, but oh, well, anyway. The garage has the car, but it also has a lot of other muggle artifacts that Arthur Weasley has brought from home. He's constantly tinkering with things uh, like radios, still trying to figure out what the purpose is of a rubber duck. And this is because Arthur Weasley has this fascination with muggle culture, which ties into his job as the leader of the Department of Mismanaged Muggle Artifacts. Which is, which is basically, basically the middle, the middle room. room. That's right. And I've said it before. <laughs> I will say it again. And I will defend that position that Arthur Weasley is basically the head of the mail room of the Ministry of Magic. <laughs> he may as well be sending out those flying little airplanes that go out to uh, over through the elevators and stuff. But the borough's home to lots of other uh, interesting things. So in the kitchen on the main floor... There is plenty of furniture that was all salvaged, actually, from the home of a pop star. What? Now, we don't know which pop star, but I'm putting all my chips in and saying it was Freddie Mercury. Oh. You Take think it, it as you like, will. That's just, my, that's just my theory. What if it was like Ringo Starr? No, you got to think of who's the most magical British pop star, and it's either one of two people, Freddie Mercury or Elton John. Hmm. And I'm thinking, too, Freddie Mercury passed away probably be easier to loot that right that's right and that's why i say freddie mercury yeah it's not a bad guess yeah, yeah, yeah. they went to freddie mercury's house they sprayed some lysol on everything and they took it back to the borough it checks out <laughs> it's a big giant dinner table for eight people um except for when there's company over there are times in the books 
where there are more than uh, enough people, or there are too many people for the dinner table to hold in the kitchen. And so people will eat their meals outside. Um, but there's beautiful orchards in the back, the orchard uh, where the kids would play qu- Quidditch. They practice Quidditch with the uh, the little, uh, what's the little creature? Little furry creature that they had. Yeah, oh. it's like a scabbers. Pun- no, no, not scabbers. If only, right? Errol. Errol. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm looking it up. It wasn't a little cruddy Errol. It wasn't a pygmy puff, was it? It wasn't a pygmy puff, but it's close to that. It's um, oh, it's the puff skin, puff skin. The what? Yeah, they're puff skin. I that's it's a little familiar, tiny, teeny tiny. Teeny tiny furry creature. Abby, I, I expect you to be the expert on all things books here. He's not he's not wrong. I just haven't read the second book in a while where it talks about that, but I think that was more of Ginny's pet. They would use it to uh, play Quidditch. They would use it as their bludger. <laughs> Maybe not then. Which, you I know, you could have just used like some trash bags taped together with duct tape and rubber bands, but you know. They had all those. I guess a living creature too. is okay too. It's like an Alice in Wonderland where they're all playing. What what is it? Croquet. They're playing croquet with hedgehogs. <laughs> yeah, with the hedgehogs. <laughs> hedgehogs and flamingos. But I mean, there's so many different things that are going on. I mean, the the burrow. I feel like we could spend you know hours on. It's just like each floor is is just a new world to be explored. That's I think that that is part of the charm of the burrow. That there's just so many things going on. It's like all of this chaos but it's bound in harmony of this family. In the kitchen, there's a clock that uh, doesn't have any numbers on it. It just has one hand instead of two, and it just points to different phrases that are on the clock, like, you're late, time to feed the chickens. They do have chickens, by the way. They have a chicken coop. Really? Yep. They do. You would think that they would only just, yeah, well, we've already talked about the duplicating thing. But not to like correct you, but I'm pretty sure that the clock actually had nine hands, one for each person. In the house that is a separate clock, Abby. Oh, oh, that is the clock that is in the family room. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So inside the kitchen, there's also a fireplace which connects to the flu powder. So or the flu system, the flu network. No, that's and easy access. There are probably like four or five fireplaces in the Weasley house because there's one in the kitchen. There's one in the in the living room, the family room. But there's probably some in some of the bedrooms. We know that Ginny's bedroom is on the ground floor. But there's like five chimneys sticking out of the house. So there's got to be at least at least four or five uh, different fireplaces. But there is a separate clock, like Abby was saying. There's a separate clock that is in the family room that has nine hands, which are the locations of all the children and the family. Um, sorry, I, I misspoke earlier and said that they had nine kids and I know they had seven. <laughs> I know they had seven kids. There's nine. I didn't. I lose count. Doesn't change that they're Catholic. <laughs> I like how people are going to be like, they didn't have nine. They only had seven. That's not much better. <laughs> when you had originally said nine kids, I was sitting here and I was counting to myself. I was like, Bill, Charlie, Percy, <laughs> Fred. George. I always forget about Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Let's see. Bill was the one that uh, did dragons. Charlie. Yep. No. He's the dragon guy. Charlie's the guy who went to Egypt. Yep. Yep. That's, no, right. that's right. He worked oh, yeah. with Kingsley Shacklebolt. Yep. Did he? Oh, maybe I'm just making that up, I think. Man, that would be a great twist. Here, I'll Google it. I gotta Google out all the all these Fraggle Rock things. Down in Fraggle Rock. 
But the burrow also has this clock. There's nine hands for all of the Weasley family members. And it points to different things like uh, prison, school, work. And then there's one that is mortal peril. And during the Second Wizarding War, once uh, Voldemort had taken over the ministry and had returned, all nine of the Weasley family hands were all pointing at mortal peril constantly. Mm. And Molly Weasley would carry the clock around with her, fearing for the safety of her children. Yeah, it was the biggest thing that she feared. Her bogger ended up being one of her dead kids, right? Yep, yep. Wait, when was this? This is in the Deathly Hallows, or is this in... No, it's not the Deathly Hallows. It's in, like, Half-Blood Prince, right? It's in the Order of the Phoenix. Um, So, yeah, she comes across a bogger. They're in Grimwald Place. Yep, and she... You know, the whole thing with the bogger, obviously, is it takes on the shape of what you fear the most. And it kept changing into all of her kids like dead and so how is that terribly scary though like i get that's a jarring sight but also dead people can't move you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it's not like a giant spider that comes at you and stuff and tries to attack you or a dementor that tries to suck out your soul yeah it's like oh no it's run i guess and ron's just it's just boggart ron laying down on the ground yeah and Ron's just around at the other end of the hall. <laughs> like, I was like, hey, what's going on, Mom? Oh, it's horrible. I can't t- I can't turn I can't turn away from it. You know, you could just leave the room, Molly. Right. Like it's not following you. <laughs> yeah. Like typically these things they like scare you into like wanting to leave. Whereas it's like this, I feel like it would draw you in, right? Like you would probably run to the like corpse of someone you care about because you're like, what happened? So that doesn't really make sense. Wait, so why was there a boggart at Grimwald Place? That's what I was just trying to remember. I can't remember if it got into Grimwald Place or if it was brought in. Um, brought in by none other than Mundungus Fletcher. Oh, it would be him. Or Creature. I bet oh. Mundungus was... No, me and Creature were talking about in the closet earlier. That wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's where he got all those thumbs. Sick. I take it back. I mean, that's what I've got pretty much for the borough, except for there. I mean, we could go into all the rooms and stuff. I don't feel like any of that would be terribly interesting. Um, Another thing that is a great little bit of information about the borough is that the borough is home to the Weasley family ghoul. (laughs) There is an unnamed ghoul in the Weasley family home that lives in the attic. Which at that point, you're like, why why do we have an attic again? It's a ghoul, Why would and the ghoul, ghoul though. It's it just took up residence there in the attic, and they consider it a pet. It's the not pet? a pest to them. Yeah, they kind of like it. They're just like the hey, weasleys yeah. are a little too lenient on pets. I mean, heaven forbid, one of these creatures might actually be a murderer who is impersonating <laughs> an animal, like creature. Oh, wait, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yep, scabbers. For Ten years. 12 uh, years. Actually, 12 actually years. longer than that, 12 yeah. Years, yeah. 12 years, that rat. Freaking Cho Chang. <laughs> <laughs> but the ghoul just lives up there. In fact, they use the ghoul when Ron is uh, taking off from school. This might be the Deathly Hallows, but I believe it's the Half-Blood Prince. They disguise the family ghoul to look like Ron 
and they tell everybody that he has splattergoit. It's uh the Deathly Hallows because um he was um with Harry, you know, trying to like find um the Horcruxes. Obviously, Hermione wasn't gonna be in school because you know she was Muggle-born and those were no longer allowed in school. Mm-hmm. And Harry was undesirable number one. But being a pure blood, they expected Ron to be at Hogwarts. That's and... right. They wanted Ron to be there. Yeah. Ron, so... by the way, has the room on the top of the house. He does. But it is very hot. And he has to listen to the ghoul all the time because the ghoul is in the attic right above him. Hey, to be fair, though, to the ghoul, the ghoul only bangs on the pipes whenever it's getting too quiet in the house. So like when you're trying to sleep, like, you know, I said what I said, Abby. <laughs> Perhaps we could all work ghoul. our schedules around. <laughs> Perhaps it's the ghoul that made Fred and George the way they are. Always into something. Always up but- to something. Jay, I think you're on to something where you're talking about how the Weasleys are too lenient with these magical beasts. Because there's another infestation that is constantly plaguing the burrow. And of course I'm talking about the gnomes in the garden. Those gnomes. The gnomes in the garden that are constantly taking up residence and the Weasleys have to constantly de-gnome the garden by tossing the gnomes over the hedge. I don't know what that does magically, Maybe it's like vampires where they can't go into a house that, unless they're invited. Like if you throw a gnome over the over a hedge backwards, then they like they can't come back or something. I don't I think that works. Yeah. It I think it's like if you had squirrels. If you had squirrels in your yard, you'd have to go farther than across the street to get rid of them. You know what I, I mean? I think it's similar to like a groundhog. Like you're not supposed to shoot and kill a groundhog if it comes into your yard. You're supposed to catch it trap it, and then bring it over to someone else's yard for them to be a menace in theirs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The I feel like you'd have to round up all those gnomes into the Fort Anglia, fly them to Surrey, wherever that is. I have a globe sitting here, and I cannot find Surrey to save my life here. You're not going to find it. It's this very small town. But anyway, they've got these gnomes, and Arthur Weasley has kind of allowed them to take up residence and keep coming back because he thinks that they're funny. He would. Like, he's just amused by the gnomes as they come in, and they're proud. I, I get it. The gnomes are probably coming in, and they're probably like, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, get out of here. This is our garden now, wizard. And then they're all probably... I'd probably be teaching my gnomes how to sing, I'd be like, all right, guys, a one and a two and a three. We represent the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild. I'd be like, we're making a yellow brick pavement in the garden. (laughs) Molly, I told you we're doing it. I don't want to hear one bit of it. (laughs) But that's pretty much the Harry Potter fan theory. The land of Oz is actually just the Weasley's backyard. It's actually just the burrow, and the, and their their house looks like it survived a tornado. Their house looks like the Kansas farmhouse dropped on top of another house, and that's when they started doing the musical. But the burrow, great place, uh, fantastic. Uh, we don't know what happens to the burrow. According to the movies, the burrow is destroyed by Death Eaters after Floor and Bill's wedding. It doesn't happen like that whole uh, 
thing I'm pretty sure didn't happen in the books. Like it did not happen in the books. Yeah. However, the Weasleys did leave the borough because the borough did become the headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix until until after the wedding when Kingsley Shacklebolt's Patronus comes up and tells them that the ministry has been taken over, the Minister of Magic is dead, and they're coming for us. Then the Death Eaters came with the full force of the Ministry of Magic behind them, and they were able to destroy all the protective enchantments that were over the burrow. And that's when the Weasleys realized that the burrow was no longer safe, and they all went to their aunt's house at Shell Cottage, which is where where they uh, they are in the Deathly Hallows when uh, they bury Dobby the Elf. Yep. We also, see, we also see we also see Grind no no not Gellert Grindelwald I'm an idiot Ollivander 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 and also Grip Hook something else that I'm I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention it's not a big thing about the borough but they did have like a little bit of a wizarding community near them um, that's right that's oh. right the Diggories were nearby also the Love Goods really? and then another family that nobody cared about. <laughs> I love that you say that. I was like, there's, there is three. <laughs> there are three wizarding families nearby the borough. And I read through the list and I was like, oh, the Diggories? Whoa, the Love Goods? And I was like, who are those people? The Fletchers? <laughs> right? Isn't that it? Fletchers? They're not the Fletchers. Who are they? I can't even remember. They're the crazy old couple that nobody likes around the block. Basically. <laughs> now, we gotta, now we gotta see this. Don't worry, I'm going to get it. I was watching that scene in the movie just a couple of nights ago because I don't have the Harry Potter movies on DVD. I wish I did. But um, I'm watching them currently on, uh, I think it's like HBO Max. And um, I was watching that scene in particular. And it's like such a sad scene. You know, they bring you back after Harry and everybody chases uh, Bellatrix out into the field. And Mm -hmm. then they destroy the burrow. And they come back and they're like, oh, no, our home. I'm like, just cast Reparo. What? <laughs> Easy fix. What are you doing? Pick right. up the wand. <laughs> Which, Pick I don't know. Is there, is there a limit on Reparo? Because I thought there wasn't. You know, I thought, isn't that what Dumbledore does over at uh, Slughorn's house? Well, Where it wasn't Slughorn's... Slughorn's house. That house belonged oh, to a right. couple that were in the Canary Islands. couple. Yeah. Like Dumbledore comes over. Oh, hey, uh, don't worry. I'll tidy up for us. And just right. like two seconds goes by and the house is fine. Yep, that's right. Maybe that's only magic that somebody great like Dumbledore has access to. So I found the family, the third family, and it is the Fawcett's. Fawcett. The Fawcett's. The Fawcett family. And the only known member of this family is S. Fawcett, a witch who attended Hogwarts during the 90s. From Ravenclaw, the Fawcett's tried unsuccessfully to get tickets into the Quidditch World Cup. So it's a nobody. (laughs) And not because it's a Ravenclaw, but because we don't even know we don't even know this person's gender. It could be anybody. We don't even we (laughs) this could be anybody. (laughs) And so the people who matter, the diggeries and the love goods live nearby, which is fitting. That's a nice touch. I forgot about that. No wonder. Oh, I also forgot to say. Just like the burrow in the movies. I forgot to tell you guys that the reason why the burrow became the headquarters for the Order of the Phoenix was because 
the previous headquarters, number 12 Grimald Place, was held protected by a infidelis charm, right? I said that right, right? Well, so part of it is because Dumbledore was the secret keeper. Well, Dumbledore was the secret yeah. keeper. Yeah. So it's like he's the only person that could, like, divulge to anyone the location of the house. Like, there's got to mm. be one person. Oh, so it's like, Fidelius Dumb Charm. Fidelius, yeah. And I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. I didn't read the books, you guys. <laughs> you have Google The Fidelius now. Charm. The Fidelius Charm. It's a, it's a really complex, difficult spell to cast. But what it does is it uh, conceals a secret inside of an individual's soul so that nobody would be able to find it. So um, that way, even if one of them was captured, that they wouldn't be able to find the location um, because that was that was a secret that was locked away within somebody's soul. Uh, a la same thing that happened to James and Lily Potter. Yep. Yep. So um, Dumbledore was the secret keeper of the charm. So then when he died, when he was killed by Severus Snape and the Half-Blood Prince, spoiler alert, then the charm became weakened because when the person who is the secret keeper dies, then the people that the secret keeper told the secret to become secret keepers. And because there were so many people who knew the secret at that point, the charm was so weak. And especially because Severus Snape, who is a triple agent Dumbledore, Dumbledore's army, Death Eater, also Order of the Phoenix, also love loved Harry's mother, also great man. You know, it was complex. So they decided that they were going to move the headquarters to the borough because Grimmauld Place was no longer safe. Rob, I'm impressed. <laughs> this was a thorough, thorough review. I know, I know. All it took was 10 minutes of looking on Wikipedia. <laughs> see everything you need. <laughs> and I spared everybody of having to look at the Harry Potter Wikipedia page for the Fawcett family. What a waste. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everybody. I like how they were just probably a throwaway that Amos Diggory said on the way to the World Cup in the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. And it's like, yep, the Fawcett's tried to get tickets unsuccessfully. Sucker. And that's it. And that's all there is about them. <laughs> so that's the burrow. That's one of the locations that we're bringing to the table today. I can just see Liz's head shaking. I'm telling you, we're going to need to bring this into three episodes. She would be so disgusted. <laughs> Liz, Liz wanted us to stick to a 10-minute agenda for each location. And as you can see, as we are easily close to 40 minutes into this one location... Well, you know what I would say to Lizzie if she were here? Dance your cares away. <laughs> Worries for another, another day. day. Let the music play. <laughs> Down in Fraggle Rock. Classic. There are gonna so, be so there are gonna be I shouldn't even say there are gonna be so many people because like seven people are gonna listen to this. But <laughs> like six of those seven people are gonna be like, why is Fraggle Rock? Well, guys, you can go on YouTube and you can watch the intro and you will have seen plenty enough. You don't have to watch anymore. All right. So everybody guessed mine that mine was the burrow, but I haven't gotten any hints from anybody else. So we need some hints. How many uh, hints are we giving? Like I'd say we one? give one. 
That's what I think. Yeah, I would hint. say give one hint, but it has to be a good one. It can't just be like, oh, well, this place is in Europe. Europe. <laughs> <laughs> My location is the tree in Albania where Lord Voldemort <laughs> hid Ravenclaw's diet. <laughs> <laughs> my my location is a tree in Albania. Under its roots was the diadem of Rowena Ravenclaw. Well, you guys, that's all that we've got for the burrow, but we do want to leave some clues for what our next locations are going to be. So Jay and Abby, we're going to give you one clue. One clue, and we'd like for you to drop a comment down under this video, predicting what the location could be based on these clues. So, Abby, let's start with you. What's a clue for your location? Oof, I knew you were going to choose me, and I've been thinking a lot about what the clue is going to be. That's right. I and... picked you first because we know Justin isn't good under pressure like this. I actually have all of my clues listed out in order. That's because oh, you That's, you that's how you prepare. That's because you were going to be like, hey, guys, let's do a... Let's throw out some clues and try and yeah, get Yeah, and I didn't even know about this. <laughs> you gotta read the group chats, guys. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put the Weasley family ghoul if I knew it was a contest, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Let's see. I guess my clue is there's a shrieking portrait at this location. Oh. Uh, you gave too much, Abby. I know it already. You gave too much. I'm I panicked. It's the Gryffindor common room, isn't it? <laughs> no, I think it's um, I think it's gonna be Dumbledore's office. So well, it's not it's not too bad of a clue. I thought you, sh you, you should have been like, like, well, oh, no. Rob was in the closet with Creature at this location. <laughs> <laughs> that would've been pretty good. <laughs> All right, Justin, what's yours? The location that I've chosen is known to be infested with a high amount of snakes. Stay tuned. Well, there you had it, folks. A cruel Irish family welcomes in dangerous pets that wind up murdering children. <laughs> we'll be back next time. As always, I'm Roger Clementine, and this is just one of the wild things that happens here. Down in Fraggle Rock. Bam, bam. Down in Fraggle Rock. Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club Podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club Podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at the Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.